want to welcome you to Central today. We're so glad that you're here to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and look forward in anticipation to our own resurrection when we shall have life forever with Him. If we turn to our scriptures this morning, I want to remind you of a very important truth. The truth is this. We are Easter people living in a Good Friday world. We are a people of hope living in a world of condemnation. We're a people of life living in a world of death. We are an Easter people living in a Good Friday world. How so? Let's look at John chapter 20, verse 1, and the answer comes. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. There are times when instruments of death are transformed into vessels for life. That's what Easter is all about. Instruments of death being transformed into vessels for life. Tragedy transformed into victory. During World War II, many islands in the Pacific were places of fierce battles and many troops lost their lives. And in 1944, on one of those islands, a chaplain named Leon Maltby arrived to minister to the troops and began work on a makeshift chapel. He built it with walls from canvas and 
uh, a floor made out of packed coral. He made a roof of a yellow parachute, and some of the other men gathered together and helped him build pews and pulpit and a communion table. But he had nothing with which to serve communion. So Maltby found some unused 50 caliber bullets, and he came up with an idea how to transform them into communion cups. He used new shells because he didn't want to use any that had been used to kill someone. So the chaplain pulled out the lead, he pulled out the gunpowder and the firing caps, and he began welding and, and hammering and shaping them into exactly the right shape, and he shined them. On that island, if you had eyes to see, brass bullet casings, instruments of death, had become vessels for life. Life in Jesus offered to needy, needy sinners. And then in 1945, Chaplain Maltby was the first Protestant chaplain to enter into Japan. And when he did so, he met and befriended a local Japanese pastor. And those same transformed bullet casings were used for a congregation of American and Japanese followers of Jesus to come together at the table of fellowship with the risen Lord. Instruments of death transformed into vessels for life. If you have eyes to see it, that's what Easter is all about. Some of you have been coming to Easter services for so long, you can't even remember uh, when you started. And maybe you've wondered, is there anything new? Every year, it's the same story, the same story of the resurrection. What's new here this year? Others of you may have this be your first Easter to come into a church. Maybe it's your first Easter as a Christian, and everything is new to you. For those who've been here before and those who are new, there is something new here this morning for us to consider. I noticed something that I'd never noticed before when I was studying the resurrection accounts, and I'm excited to share it with you. It has to do with seeing. In this text, there are three different verbs that are used for seeing. Three different verbs used for to see. And the Greek scholars in, uh, tell us that each one of them has a slightly different nuance of exactly what they mean. And if we follow along with the change in the verbs of, of seeing, we understand exactly what this story is all about and how we're supposed to respond. If you have eyes to see it, you can see instruments of death being transformed into vessels for life. What did they see? Well, first, what they went to see, what they expected to see was a dead body, but he wasn't there. If you look at verse one of the story, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb, and she did that because Jesus was crucified on Friday afternoon, and he died, and they laid his body in the tomb, and there wasn't enough time before sundown for them to prepare his body for burial properly. And so they did as much as they could. They laid him in the tomb, rested on the Sabbath, and then on Sunday morning at first light, Mary and others come back to the tomb to begin to finish what they had begun. And what she saw when she arrived was strange. There wasn't a body. She saw, verse 1 tells us, that everyday word for observation, the way things are usually supposed to work, she saw that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb entrance, and she ran to tell the other followers. She told Peter and John, the disciple that Jesus loved, as he refers to himself. Somebody's taken Jesus' body from the tomb. I don't know where they put him. Now, the tomb is open, 
The body's not there, so someone must have taken it. It's a reasonable expectation, isn't it? It's reasonable for us to, for her to make that assumption because the reality is that death takes everybody. She knew that. She knew that's exactly how the world works. Jews in those days understood our resurrection of the bodies in general on the last day, but no one was looking for this body to be raised from the dead on that day. She knew what we know. Dead people stay that way. We learn that. We see that every day of our lives. That's the way that the world works because death is universal. It takes all of us and that death entered into this world because of sin. It's a consequence of our rebellion against our creator. We sin. That is, we rebel against the creator's design. And so many of us are willing to admit that. We admit that sometimes we do things that we shouldn't do. We admit that we do things that even we find repugnant about ourselves. But what Mary knew and what the Bible teaches us is that sin is not some occurrence that happens from time to time. But rather the story is that our sin enslaves us. It has grip on all of us. It it enslaves all of us. So God had to do something about it. God had to do something about that universal bondage to our sin. And that's exactly why Jesus was crucified, to pay the price for our forgiveness. That's why he was nailed to that instrument of humiliation and death, the cross. He died to take our place. He was judged. He was condemned for my sin and yours, my rebellion and yours. He died to free us, to forgive us from the enslavement of sin, that instrument of the death of Jesus offers us life it offers us freedom in exchange if we trust in his work for us do you have eyes to see him crucified for you it's through trusting that story trusting that fact of Jesus's crucifixion that we are forgiven and we are set free the power of evil is broken by the broken body of Jesus on the cross an instrument of death having become a vessel of life for you. Can you see it? That's where the story ends with Jesus on the cross where everybody expected him to be laid in the tomb, staying there. If that's where it ends, where does hope come from? If that's where the story ends, knowing that death takes all of us, what hope for life do we have? That leads us to the second verb for seeing in this story. What else did they see on that Easter morning? They saw deliverance from death itself. They saw that the tomb was empty. Peter and John heard Mary's report and they ran to the tomb and John got there first, peeked in, but Peter, verse six says, went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloths lying there. Now that's a different word. That's a different verb for to see. This is the word from which we get our English word, theorize. It's a word that means I see something and it makes me to wonder. I see something that strikes me as curious and and I wonder what it could possibly mean. Have you ever seen anything that once you see it, you begin running through all the implications in your mind? Like maybe you've been on a river and the water has been smooth and flat and then up ahead you see some rapids 
And you wonder, what's underneath that water? Are there rocks there? Are there logs there? Something is underneath it. I can see something is happening, but I don't completely understand it. It invites curiosity. What does it mean? Same thing's happening here with Peter. He saw an empty tomb, and the cloths were lying there, not in a lump, but they were folded up, verse 7 says. In those days, spiced, scented linen strips were wrapped around the body, a bit like a mummy. And if someone were going to go into a grave and steal a body, wouldn't you inspect, would you not expect that the grave clothes would have been taken along with the body? Or certainly, if someone broke in to steal a body, they wouldn't unwrap it patiently and neatly fold them up and lay them in a corner. They would have been in a mess all over the floor. How many grave robbers can you imagine would take time to arrange grave clothes on the floor very neatly? It doesn't make sense. So what Peter saw, he wanted to understand. It struck him as curious. It's the same word that Mary uses in verse 14. She was worried that Jesus' body had been stolen and she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know who he was. It was curious. She thought, why is a gardener here? Why would a gardener be here in, in this moment? It doesn't make sense to me. What does it all mean? I think if we were telling this story today, perhaps we would say of both Peter and Mary, that they would say something strange is happening. The tomb is a locked vault of death, but, but it's empty. Something weird is happening. What am I seeing here? Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you say, okay, well, the tomb is empty, but that's a weird part of this Easter story, but what does it mean? Does it have to mean anything? Maybe your curiosity is piqued this morning. Some of you might see and wonder, what's the big deal? What's the big deal about this resurrection story anyway? I mean, does it really matter if Jesus' body was raised from the dead, or is it just as good if his memory lived on in their minds? That's what some think. They might wonder, is it all important that his body came out of the dead? Because the power's in the story. This is a powerful uh, and emotive story, and that gives me hope for life. Some people think that. If that's what you think, I think God would call you to keep on seeking, to look more clearly, to see what's really here, and wonder at what God has done. Because something happened here beyond curiosity of an empty tomb. There's life beyond death so much grander and so much deeper than Jesus living on in our memories. There's something more here than the emotive power of a good story. There's life. There's real life here. And they saw it. What else did they see in this story? Well, they saw life triumph over death. Get verse 8, where there's still a third verse for to see. It says, John went into the tomb and he saw and believed. Now, the nuance of this verb to see means seeing with comprehension. It means I see something and I, I want to grasp it, I want to understand it. John saw that the tomb was empty and he drew the only conclusion he, he could with the evidence that was in front of him. Jesus was raised from the dead. Death couldn't hold him. He was alive. And even still, that sent him back to the scriptures, verse 9 says, that they to see that Jesus must rise from the dead. It's a little word that means it's necessary. One pastor put it this way. It was necessary on Jesus' part 
that he should rise from the grave so that he might triumph over his and our enemies, that his gospel claims might be vindicated, that the Father's acceptance of the atoning blood should be proved. You see, what John understood and what we are called to see is that if Jesus is alive, then that means the sacrifice for sin and the defeat of death, it worked. It worked exactly like God designed it to work. There is a life that lasts because Jesus is alive and he gives us a real life that will last into eternity. John saw it. And in verse 18, Mary came to that same place too. She says, I have seen, it's the same verb, seen with understanding, I I comprehend I have seen Jesus. He's alive. He's real. His body has come back from the dead. If Jesus had remained in that grave, as as Mike said a moment ago, the crucifixion would have been just a terrible tragedy. If Jesus had remained in that tomb, it would have been simply a story of a powerful, sacrificial love cut short. It would have been a story, a wonderful story of a man laying down his life for his brothers and we see the power of love and sacrifice and that's all it would be. It would be a terrible tragedy in a world where sin still reigns and death has the last word every time and hope is merely a wish. That's what our world would be like had Jesus not walked out of the grave, but he did. He did not remain dead. He was physically raised from the dead and the guilt of our sin covered over by that blood of the sacrifice, all of our guilt's canceled. And we live a story in which death is not final. Our hope of new life is is more than just wishful thinking. The one crucified on an instrument of death for our sin was laid in a vault of death in the tomb and he came out very much alive. So that if we believe in him, we experience a lasting life, a life of victory that can begin now and last into eternity. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we have the promise of our own resurrection, of our own victory. We have the the promise of atonement and forgiveness that all of our sins have been wiped clean in the blood of Christ. Our God doesn't hold any one of them over our heads, but he forgives us completely. We have the promise of a life where renewal and restoration is coming, where we will receive more than everything we've lost in this life of pain. We receive an expectation of a real life change that begins right now. And that change will continue until we see Jesus face to face. We have a promise of a new body in a new heavens, in a new earth where there's no more crying or death or tears or loss or shame or any of it. What was intended as a permanent place of defeat in the tomb, what was intended as an instrument of death in the shame of the cross, it's all been transformed into a vessel of a life that lasts. Do you have eyes to see it? Do you have a heart to believe it? I'll close with this story. Another pastor tells of a a lovely young teenage girl who was suddenly struck with an illness and it left her paralyzed and blind. But her ears worked just fine. (laughs) And there was one day when she was in her room and her parents were in the next room over talking to her doctor. 
And she overheard the physician with a tender voice say, this poor girl, she's already seen all of her best days. They're behind her. And from that room next door, overhearing the doctor say that, this young girl who knew and believed Jesus, who was victorious, she said this, no doctor, my best days are yet to come when I shall see the king in all of his beauty. What confidence that she had to face very real pain and tragedy in this life because she had seen, she had truly seen with the eyes of her heart that Jesus who bore her sin and washed her clean has now been raised in victory over it all. And one day she will be raised in victory too. She will be given a new life and a new body and new eyes with which to see her king. Why would you not want that? Why would anyone not want that gift? Sin punished on the cross that we, our our guilt and our, our rebellion has all been washed clean. Death emptied of its power. Life poured out that lasts from now into eternity. Confidence that whatever hardship we face in this life, our best days are always ahead. Why would you not want that? Who would turn away from a gift like that? Trust in Jesus because he offers it all to us. Do you have eyes to see him? And do you have a heart to embrace him today? Let's pray. Father, we are grateful that Jesus was raised from the dead and we have nothing left to fear Our sin and our condemnation has been wiped clean. There is no more judgment left for those who are cleansed by Christ's blood. We have no need to fear death because Lord, you in your resurrection have defeated it and it is not the end of the story for any of us. So Lord, help us to look toward you and the life that you offer to us Lord, there may be people here this morning who've never trusted you, who've never seen you as you are in your resurrection glory, who've, the eyes of whose hearts had never embraced you. And I pray that today would be the day that everyone here in this sanctuary and everyone watching online would know that they are a sinner and yet an even greater Savior has come for them. That in his body and blood we are washed clean In the hope of the resurrection, we live forever with him. Lord, grab hold of every life here and change us for the sake of our King.